As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. I got to update that number in the intro because it's, yeah. it's up to 61 million now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the CBC Wisdom Hour, number 149 for uh, Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. I'm Steve Witchell in New Orleans. <laughs> ah, Tony B, the fabulous T, coming to you live from New Jersey. What's I happening? Saw, I saw you put that. The fabulous T. Yes. Let's put that up. What's happening? There it is. There you go. If you're watching right now live, we are broadcasting on uh, the Coverband Central group, Coverband Central Facebook page, and uh, YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. And if you're watching in the group and you'd like to comment, make sure you click that link in the description that lets StreamYard show your name, which is where we're broadcasting. And please come in and say hello. If you're watching, tell us where you're from, and uh, we'll talk about some stuff. Hola! But yeah, since I've been back from the hospital... I, yeah. I started back up on my regular post and I track that the insights every day and, and the, uh, the numbers. And remember it went up to 50 million. That's what we have there in the intro. Yes. It's up to 61 million in the last 28 days of post reach on the cover band central Facebook page. Wow. That's mm-hmm. a lot of people, Steve. That's 61 million instances where it was in front of somebody's eyes. That's 1 million more than 60 million. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, I still don't know what to do with that. I need to, uh, to, to capitalize on that. Um, I have some ideas that new, new, fairly new ideas. You need a post with a little click on it. This is donate 10 cents. You'd be all set. Um, yeah, most people won't do that. Donate 10 cents. But if they did, Steve, they did, it'd be fantastic. 61 million dimes that you'd have. That's right. Um, that would be a lot. That'd be good. We'll take it. Because that's $6 million. I would be the $6 million man. You would be, Steve Austin. Yes. Just call me that. Um, so, yeah, we were off last week because I was displaced again. And frankly, that where I was, it wasn't a good... I didn't really feel like doing it, but it wasn't a good location to uh 
to broadcast. Well, we powered through it the week before that. We did. I, I had better the, where I was last week. The the internet was a little spottier. Um, mm. So, but now you're home, Steve. You're back in your studio, and you're I'm home. Yes, you got your yeah. power on, and you're listening to the rain outside, and life is good. Yeah, felt really good. I was away for two weeks, displaced because of Hurricane Ida, and now uh, I've been back home since Friday, and it feels fucking great. That and how's all... your general area? As far it's as fine. damage goes and stuff, no? It's fine. You're okay. A lot of, tr- lot of trees and branches, mm-hmm. um, but structural structures are are fine around me. And no flooding? You didn't get any water in your uh, yeah. place? No, my place, you wouldn't be able to tell anything. You wouldn't be able to tell that there was a storm. Wow. Except for the fact that I moved all my expensive gear off of the floor onto the, like, elevated in case there was flooding i see you got a lot of it on the stage in the back there elevated that's good smart thinking that's right it's the way to go um so yeah it's uh it's great to be back home i'm still on oxygen uh most of the time I'm, i took it off for this broadcast but um still uh uh a ways to go with healing from the, the pneumonia and uh, i haven't played yet and I feel like I could probably within the next two or three weeks get back to playing. Like playing in your house, like jamming and getting used to playing again or getting out in the club and playing? Getting out in the club, going back to work. Cool. Um, I'm not sure. And I have Would a doctor- you be like Aqualung? Would you put like a strap on like oxygen tank on your back and have the thing come around in front? Like- I, that's, I wish I could because that'd be great. That would be cool. I mean, aside from the most Halloween time, you could put on some flippers and like a mask and you could be like, right. You'd be like deep sea man. That's right. I'm a costume every week, deep sea man and, uh, astronaut, astronaut. You could be Aqualung. You could be, um, you could be Jacques Cousteau. Yeah. Who else wears a, a mask like that for breathing? Uh, I think that's it. To be the boy in the plastic bubble. Yeah. There you go. Um, how come nobody's commenting? What is going on out there, people? Say hello. I got they're, the whole they're, they're all stormbound, Steve. Right. Stormy out tonight. Um, but uh, I have a doctor's appointment next Tuesday. I had to miss. There we go. See? Darth Vader. Yeah. BC. Darth Vader. Um, Danny Wild is in Vegas. Said he. Glad I'm back home. I'm glad to. Now, see now. There you go. Scuba Steve. <laughs> there you go. Scuba Steve. I like that. That's right. Steve. Scuba Steve. All right. Now, see now everybody's. Hey, guys. There you Jason's go. See, see, you had to get them started, Steve. It just takes once. It's like an empty Jim. dance floor. It just takes one person to get up. Jim Long's at the blue belt. That's right. It's the empty dance floor. It's like the empty dance floor. You know, no one wants to go first, but as soon as you get one person out there, everybody follows. Yes. Um, But anyway, I I had to miss a doctor's appointment because of there was no power anywhere. So I have one next week. So I'll wait till after the checkup to see where we're at before I decide to go back to work. But gotcha. um, Like I said, I'm feeling better every day. So I'm hoping that I can, because right? I miss playing it. And, and this is my favorite time of year, as I say every year. When it's September, it's fall, it starts to be, you know, Halloween, holidays. Love it. And, and what's I your want... band been doing? They've been su- you have a sub? 
I don't. Yeah, they, they've had sub for me mostly. Uh, Craig, this guy Craig, um, who by the way had told me a while ago, probably like a year ago, he's like, I want to be a guest on your podcast. So we got to have Craig on one of these okay. weeks. Um, and uh, I, so, I, but I haven't. I don't really know. I think they played last weekend, but I was in the quarter last week, and man, it was just depressing. Like there was barely anybody there. Most of the places were closed. Um, yeah, so, it got hit hard, man. Yeah, so I don't know if during the weekend if there were bands out playing, if there were people out. I have no idea. So I got to check in with the band and see what's going on. Um, uh, Rosemary said, "Good to see you're still at it." And if at it, whatever it is, I'm at it. Have at it, Scotty. Yes. So Not you, Scotty, I was talking to him. Sorry, got the, my the beam me up, Scotty guy. Yeah, Super Scotty mm. over here was commenting. So I was calling him. So during this this past couple weeks, uh, where I was, I had to split from the hurricane. Yeah, um, I ended up watching first. You know, when the storm was, I was watching a lot of TV for the weather and stuff. Um, but then once it was kind of over, I started watching a lot of uh, Netflix and and movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. documentaries and just regular movies and i was driving uh when i was out in mobile when i was staying at the hotel they have jersey mics out in mobile do you have yep. jersey mics in jersey of course it's where it's from i know but <laughs> yes we have jersey mics um but it's jersey called mics. it's called northeast mics here <laughs> jersey mics is my favorite it, that's classic new jersey subs yeah and they're good they're really good. And those yeah. are the classic ones like you would have gotten in the chicken cheesesteak with some bell peppers on it. Yeah. Like stuff. if you were to go into an Italian deli in the 70s and 80s, that's that's the sub. Those are the subs you would get. And so I, so I drove to Jersey Mike's and it was like a half hour drive. I'm driving with my oxygen, my tank in the car. And I'm listening to. Uh, You're on a mission to Jersey Mike's. Yeah. Oh, What'd yeah, you get? What'd you get at Jersey Mike's? I get the roast beef and provolone. And the the Italian, the full on Italian sub that with everything, yeah. And do it Mike's way, so it's mm-hmm. got the oil and vinegar and the lettuce, tomato and onions. Oh, it's yeah, good, good stuff. The closest one to me here is in Slidell, which is like a thirty five minute drive, and it's worth that drive. So I'll probably go back soon. Okay, but anyway, I was driving to Jersey Mike's and I'm listening yes. to Sirius XM and uh, the eighties channel. Eighties channel is one I always check. Yep. And, you know, they have the, the DJs there are, are some of the old BJs from MTV. MTV. Yep. Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, uh, Nina Blackwood, and is that it? Those, those, so. th- yeah. those three do DJ things. But, of course, there was Martha Quinn and J.J. Jackson. J.J. Jackson has passed away since. Um, but they had this August you, 1st. You had Mark Goodman, too. Yeah, that's what I said. Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, and Nina Blackwood. Um, right, and then you had Martha Quinn, JJ. That was and... it. Those were the original five. Right. Um, but they had this special because um, MTV debuted August 1st, 1981, which is 40 years ago. So they're celebrating their 40th anniversary thing. So they had this special on where it was Mark Goodman, Nina Blackwood, um, Alan Hunter, and Martha Quinn. And they were talking about the origins of MTV and and uh, 
their that first day, those first couple of hours. So they were playing the music of the videos that they played in the first couple of hours. And uh, then you they had what, other. You remember, you remember what those first videos were? There was like I five. know the first one. I I know the Buggles was the first video killer yes. radio star, which is completely appropriate song to start with because that's they were foretelling. Yes, they were. But there was very few bands that had videos at that time, like ready to go. Like when MTV came out, right? Bands were quickly scrambling to shoot video, but there was a handful that already had video ready to go. And those yeah. are the guys that were on the front, the leading edge of MTV. Yeah, that's one of the things they were talking about. So I found it really interesting. And then they were talking about there was a special on uh, one of the one of the cable channels. Um, I don't remember which one. A documentary called "I Want My MTV," um, where they were all interviewed, and and uh, it's just kind of the history of MTV. So I watched that um, during the last couple of weeks, and I you, you forget. Because MTV gets so uh, slammed now because they don't play music videos and they've had those cheesy shows. Yeah, right. It used, you, to, be, it used to be just music and music documentaries. For, and Yeah, you forget how influential MTV was on the, oh, yeah. the entire music industry for a long time. I mean, like you're just saying about the videos, there, there were very few. And that's one of the things they talked about. They played a lot of Rod Stewart videos because Rod Stewart had a lot of videos. So they just played people who had videos. Yeah, but in, but in the first, I think the first month, it was like Quarter Flash, Harden My Heart, was on once an hour. Lover Boy, Working for the Weekend. Was that that early, 81? And then there was, um, I think Kinks Come Dancing was one. Come Dancing. Yep. David Johansson was one. Um. Marshall Crenshaw, someday, some way. That was one. Ooh, wow, that's a yeah. And then uh, I'm I'm trying to think like because I remember me and my brother used to always goof on it because it was only like you know <laughs> the same ten videos like being rotated all the time. So if you sat watching long enough, you saw the same video again, and it wasn't like an order like one through ten. You know, it might go one two three four five one. You know, six seven eight two nine ten eleven. You know, and back to three like it was. It was yeah. mixed up, but it was the same, uh, you know, bunch of bands that had the same videos. Right. Uh, yeah, because they didn't have a lot to choose from. But right. it did change the whole. Uh, sure, because now all these bands that had albums, you know, now had another medium that they had to now adapt to. Right. And then it became you had to look good in front of the camera, too. You know, so they had to you know, take these guys and make them presentable in some instances. Right. You know, music became visual and it was yeah. it was very it was very um, uh, opposed by a lot of purists, you know, with music like music not supposed to be about that. But the band, the artists and bands that took advantage of it and embraced the whole change in in uh, in the dynamic of the industry were the ones that really had a lot of success. So um, REO Speedwagon was another one because that album. Yep. That album had come out that year, and they were they had some success with it, and they had the live those live videos. Yes, and um, MTV played our you know keep on loving you and uh, any other one, um, the one that I play all the time. Heard it from a friend who. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, that one. Take it on the road. Take, take it on, it on the run. Yes, yes. Um, so they went from because they had Kevin Cronin, the lead singer. Yeah. Uh, interview. They interviewed him 
in the movie and also on this thing on, on Sirius XM. Um, and uh, he was talking about how we just, because they would just leave a concert and go to McDonald's and nobody would recognize them. Right. They just, they didn't really know what they looked like. But right. now all of a sudden they went yeah. from that to ha- needing security and, you know, like. Um, Think about that too, right? It makes every, it makes all these artists highly recognizable. Because yeah. you're seeing them on MTV now, day in and day out, and all of a sudden you say, "Hey, there's there's Scuba Steve." <laughs> Scuba Steve. Yeah, people run, start flocking yeah. over like Beatles. That's an interesting thing. Or on the flip side, it could have done uh, bad things, like Danny says here, the Billy Squire career killer, and that was actually talked about somewhere. I, I think in the documentary because he put out the video of uh, "Rock Me Tonight." And the, the video was him just in these pink pants and just dancing around the room and snapping and jumping on beds and shit. Do you remember that video? I do. It was bad. Yeah. And it just, and it made everybody like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really react to it that way. Cause I thought the song was good. So I just like, whatever. Yeah. And then, the, and then some of the videos got cheesy and they started, you know, making fun of stuff and it wasn't so serious anymore. You know what I mean? And then, you know, it's funny you say that because, strangely enough, like you know, you say how it influenced, um, you know, the the industry and and people and musicians and bands and people watching it. So last week, I get a phone call from a friend of mine who I haven't seen since before COVID, and he says, "Hey, I haven't. I bought tickets to Rush Cinema Strangiato. They do it once a year, you know, and it's okay. the R40 tour with some other footage, and it was director's cut, and it was different than last year. So, long story short, he's like, "Do you want to go?" So I said, yeah, let me see if I got, you know, if I can accommodate in my schedule and I was able to. So last Thursday we went and we saw it in, you know, down at AMC movie theater in Garden State Plaza by me. And it was in surround sound and it was on the big screen. And it, it, it takes you through. First of all, it's the first time you, know, you see Russian concert on a big screen when you're in the theater. It's different than watching it on your TV at home, you know, sure. and you have the surround sound. And it's everything's big and up close and. The sound was pretty good. And, um, but yeah, so then you see how through the years, cause they did like, you know, they do like a whole documentary from like 74 forward, like little flashes of stuff. And that all R40 tour, you know, they come out like in present day and they keep stripping the stage down until they get to 1974 and they're in a gym with like two amps and, you know, they're like back to the roots. But what was cool about it was that. You got to see that, and I don't know if you, you know, all the years you saw Rush, but if you remember on every tour, they used to dress up in like costumes and do skits, and then like before or in between intermission, they would have like these these little clips, you know, but they weren't like a minute long. They were like five, six, seven minutes long, you know, and it right. could have been them jamming with an Oompa Loompa band, and they're all dressed up like Munchkins or something, you know, but it had all this like visual stuff going on, right. and then secondly. You, you know, when I went, I'm like, yeah, it'd be cool to go and hang out with my buddy. I haven't seen him and stuff. But then actually not expecting to to leave the theater inspired. Like after seeing, you know, the three-hour Rush Marathon concert and all the footage and everything that, that they, they talked about during, you know, and you got to see them perform and uh, the different stories about the, the, the violinist from New Jersey. I don't know if you've heard that story, but he played you know, the song Losing It by Rush. It's on Signal's album. There's an electric violin solo at the end. So this mm-hmm. guy, and I can't remember his name, but he lives in – in Jersey and he learned it. And then he be, you know, when he was a kid, he learned it and then he became a professional violinist. And then he emailed Russian and said, Hey, 
I can play losing it, you know, and I'm a professional violinist. If you're ever in the tri-state area and you want to do it live, let me know. I'd love to come and jam it with you guys. How do you email Rush? I guess he like, contacted their management company or something. And then uh, he ended up, they ended up calling him back and saying like, yeah, why don't you come down? And then he ended up playing it on, you know, on stage with them. And it, it, that footage is in that director's cut that, that's on this one. And it was only, cool. they only played it in Jersey because it was the only place that, that the guy, they had a violinist to do it. Right. That's cool. You know, but it was cool to see, like you see the evolution of, of the band and whatnot. But like I said, so I definitely think when you see things, they can have an effect on you. Like they inspire you. It reengaged me to be like, wow, you know, like, you know, I still a big fan of Rush, but I haven't seen, you know, seen him in years, obviously. And it, to see it again, it was, it was just great to, to bring you back to all the music. And then it brings you back to your inspiration and your roots as a musician. And, and then, you know, you build on that. So you walk out of that theater you know, not only having an enjoyable experience, but now you're taking away something else for the next day that's going to keep, you know, propelling you forward. Right. So that that's a cool thing, I think, about the video medium. And also the fact that, like you said, all these bands now, they record like every show in 4K and it's all professionally mixed and they have soundboard, you know, they have everything captured. So, I mean, they can, you know, they can create videos upon videos upon videos of all these different footages. Like now I saw... There was a 40th anniversary permanent waves boxed edition with like a remastered thing. And then it had all video from like the hemispheres tour, a couple mm -hmm. of songs from that, you know, like early rush, but even back then they were videotaping the shows, you know? And I know right. Muse is one of those bands that does that yeah. too. They, they record every show and they do it in like super hi-fi, you know, 48 channel digital audio, and then they can mix it down later and use it. Yeah. So that's a good, Rush is a good example for the beginnings of MTV, like the rock bands that did well, that already had live concert footage, because those were the videos that they would play right. of those bands. Like Rush, didn't they play like Tom Sawyer live? Yeah, uh, they had, well, like they had, they had Fly By Spirit Night, Radio? Tom Sawyer, Spirit of Radio, they had a bunch of them, yeah. Yeah, so Rush was part of MTV in the early days, because they had those live videos. So they used to pull, that's the way MTV did it, was they... At first, they just did all the concept videos, and then they were like, "Oh, we could just use video clips from these live ones that exist, like Dio, uh, yes. D Rock. They, yep. they would play um, uh, what uh, Eagles, Hotel California. That live video yep. was the the one that they would play, the live version. Um, yeah, because it was already done. It was already edited, and it was already you know. Assembled. And because they didn't have a concept Hotel California video, that's all they had was the the concert videos. So it's it, it's really like you people slam MTV now, but it's MTV just was was a game changer. It just changed the entire dynamic, uh, the, the entire paradigm in music. And it hasn't been the same since. And of course, now we've expanded into Internet and, and YouTube. And so it, one point I want to make about this is that. um yeah, that's true. That was another early band, Duran Duran, who embraced yeah. embraced the whole concept. Uh, they did a, a, the album Rio came out, and they did Hungry Like the Wolf and Rio and a bunch of other ones. Well, you know, it was interesting. I saw a behind the music thing on Duran Duran, and they were saying how they super uh, were into image and embraced the whole theatrics of the performance so they were already geared up for that you know with the hair makeup clothes they dress certain ways you know every album they had a different look and they were very much about that image and that's what propelled them really to stardom that's what Simon Obama was saying it was the, they were recognizable because they had a different sound 
but the the way they looked, they dressed different than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of that sort of new wave, yeah. the early eighties, those kind of bands that, that, that understood the whole image thing, culture club, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, any of those kind of bands. So it's interesting because one of the conversations that comes up in the cover band central group occasionally is, is just that image, like how you're looking when you're dressing live, uh, uh, when you're playing live, how you dress, how you, and a lot of people, I would say more than half of the bands that go out there and play don't really put any thought into it. They just wear what they wear. Uh, now, Danny's, I don't know if Danny's still watching, but Danny's somebody I work with. There's a singer who always puts thought into it. He always dresses for well for the stage. Um, and I, I'm of the, the belief that, that it is super important because of the fact that every, a lot of things get captured on video and put onto YouTube. And that is how you are presenting yourself to the world. People who don't re really know you already or didn't see you at that gig, they're just ca they're discovering you on YouTube. So they're going to have an opinion about how you look. Sure. You know, it's natural. for everybody. And if you're wearing cargo shorts and sandals, that opinion is going to be that. Right. So that the cargo shorts conversation comes up all the time. And that is an argument for, against them. That is like, unless that's your look, unless you're a beach band. And you're all out and everybody's wearing cargo shorts. and, and Or unless you're a drummer and it's 95 degrees out and the gig's outside in the sun. Right. Yeah. And the drummer, the drummer gets a pass on it. You know, drummers. Cause Hell, drummer can wear shorts and no shirt. <laughs> be, be golden, yeah. man. It's like the look. Yeah. Yeah. Travis Barker, Tommy Lee. Yeah. Taylor Hawkins, all these guys. Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. yeah. Um, Shirtless drummers. Taylor Hawkins is in the movie, so I suggested that you watch um, Count Me In, yeah. which is a documentary uh, on drums and drummers, and it's on Netflix? Yeah. Netflix. And uh, Taylor Hawkins is in that. Stuart Copeland. Some really good drummers. Um, it's uh, it's good, worth the watch if you're a drummer or a fan of drums. Um, we'll so check it out this weekend. I'll comment on it next time. So that's one that I saw. Um, and um, yeah, those were the two that I saw. But it, it really got me thinking about the whole video thing. And then MTV later with, uh, you know, TRL was a thing. Like the countdown thing was huge. Before it was TRL, there was just like a daily, Monday through Friday, top 10 countdown. And yeah. you would call Dial MTV. You would call 1-800-DIAL-MTV mm -hmm. and you would vote for your favorite video of yep. the day and then they would count down. And it was it was generally, that was like the late 80s and it was generally the, the hair metal bands that were in there. Uh, Poison and Bon Jovi and Skid Row and um, yeah. And oh, some bands really had some success just because of that. Well, I think the great success of MTV was that there was no competition in the, until you know VH1 came out, but there was no saturation. Like nowadays, you're you're almost at capacity with the amount of choices that you can watch. You know what I mean? There's there's literally hundreds of thousands of things to choose from if you go on YouTube. MTV mm -hmm. was like, yeah, these are like the ten videos that you had to, to you know. That's it. To, right. That was it. It wasn't like a a thousand videos, and these are the ten they picked. It was like here's the ten that you you know you're going to choose from this week, and everyone was engaged. And I think it really brought 
music community together because those shows remember they had live audiences remember and and it was like well that was even it wasn't like five people calling in it was like you know hundreds of thousands of people it was they had a huge audience engagement yeah yeah that was huge for uh, mtv and it it made some bands like it it really made them at the time absolutely some the hair metal bands um danger danger was one of them they had a song called naughty naughty which they put out a video for it was good video was sexy but it was the band playing live but they're hot chicks and um it made that rotation in in dial mtv for a very short period of time it was up there for like maybe it hit the top spot like a couple for a couple days or something well but and but during that time during that time i played i was in a band called little sister and we opened for danger danger they were on tour and they were playing clubs and that was one of our best shows because it was jam-packed and yeah everybody was psyched for that show so and they quickly fell off they had a, another song called bang bang they were danger danger naughty naughty bang bang that was their thing um and then they just quickly fell off. Ted Poley, the singer, still works out out there. Um, but had had it not been for that video on MTV, nobody would have known about that band. Well, and that was one thing I saw that on that Duran Duran show was he said when they did Girls on Film, they made it as close to borderline of being X-rated as they could. So that when it got released, it was instantly like banned in certain countries. And it, it got huge media, you know, attention. And they were like on, you know, all the news and, you know, it was great publicity stunt for them to get a, a ton of exposure, you know, right? for the, 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 the band video that was too racy for MTV, you know? Yeah, that was a big controversy. That was always a good way to get press, though. Right, yeah. And it, it did, you know, you said they got a lot of, they got a lot of, you know, new fans from that because all of a sudden people were like, we don't know who the, this band is, but, you know, you know, they're in the news, let's check them out. And then all of a sudden they would check, you know, go and listen to them and then they would become fans. Right. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I, in that case, the MTV had another had, had a huge influence on the music industry and and record sales and success of you know, Trickster was another one. Yeah. Guys from Jersey. Uh, they had Give It To Me Good. That was a video on MTV on that yep. dial MTV countdown. So people saw it and people bought the record. The record went gold and uh, they ended up on tour with, you know, opening for major artists, Kiss, Scorpions. Yeah. Um, and uh, did well for themselves. And I think largely in part, thanks to MTV and that video. Um, well, cause again, then, that was the only audience back then. Like that was the only conduit that you had for your video to be shown on national television at that yeah. time period, you know? Yeah. Unless you were on like a, like a late night show performing. Yeah. Like or, Don Kirshner's rock concert. Well, that's going way back. That's seventies. Yeah, but that was still going during MTV times. Was it? Was on, it was late night. It was on like one o'clock in the morning or something. It was. I used like to. I used to love it. Out. I would stay up for that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We used to watch my brother. I told you used to watch wrestling, nice and then when that was over, Don Kirshner would come on. Right. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah, I re- there was a station we had called U sixty eight in. Um, I know you must have had it. Too. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember U sixty eight. U sixty eight, and they. It was the only channel like above the, like eleven that came or thirteen that came in, and they they played videos too. They were after MTV, but they played videos too, and they would have like concerts too on uh, like Friday nights. Yeah, um, I remember seeing one of the ones that sticks out in my mind so much that I still I can find it on YouTube too and go back and watch it. 
was Night Ranger on U68. And it was, they only had the first album out, which was Don't Tell Me You Love Me was the, the big. Jack Blades on the railroad that. track. Jack Blades. So Jack Blades playing bass and singing, Kelly Keegy playing drums and singing, uh, Brad Gillis. Um, and uh, I forget the name of the other guitar player. Um, but I was just so into that. I was so compelled seeing that that was one of the first like live concert things that I sat in front of the TV and I was glued to. And I was like, man, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, And I still go back and I watch that every once in a while. And it still gives me chills seeing that show. It was just so cool. Brad Gillis and the other guitar player and doing Jeff Watson. Thank you, Danny. I knew Danny would come up with the name. Um, He had that, that crazy finger tap solo the way he would play. And, uh, and, like Jeff Watson and then Brad Gillis, you know, did more of the uh, using effects and stuff. Yeah. And uh, Jack Blades, it's just so cool. Jack Blades was so cool to me. Like he's just long hair and he's up there and he's bouncing around. And he's playing bass and he's singing. Yeah. Um, that was like U68. So, I mean, for us, our generation, we it's TV, music on TV was such a major, major influence, I think. And I think there's a lot of people in our generation out there playing music um, like we do, you know, playing in yeah. cover bands. Um, so I think people should definitely consider your the appearance, your appearance live, how you how you're looking, how you're dressing. It's it's really that was a long way to go to get to that, but I don't know. Yeah, but you got to start somewhere, right? It starts with that image, you know. Yeah, and you can say the and- same thing for me for this. And I can, like I need a shave. Yeah, but I can remember Steve like back in the maybe like um, early, you know, like two thousand five, six, seven, somewhere around there. Remember, Amish outlaws were big in Jersey, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell everybody about Amish outlaws. What were they? So Amish outlaws were a cover band, and they dressed up like a bunch of Amish guys. But, you know, full character. They had, you know, the suits, the hats, everything. They looked like Amish. And they rocked. And they were like a party band. They were a fun, you know, cover rock act that was all about the party. They got they had a huge following. They they played all the top places. They packed it in. And um, I remember talking with those guys and meeting with them and seeing them out at a club. And they were still dressed as the Amish outlaws, Mm -hmm. even though they weren't playing. Right. So even when they went out somewhere, they dressed that way. Right. And if they were in places that they had some notoriety, people immediately knew who they were. And if they were in places that people didn't know who they were, then by the time they left there, they knew who they were and they were going to check them out. You right. know, they were great at marketing themselves. Like they, you know, you're in a bar, all some sky, you know, four guys walk in, they're all dressed up like Amish guys, you know, and they're obviously not, you know, Amish. They're, they're, they're regular you know, rock guys. And it was just funny to see how they manipulated that whole wardrobe and that whole image. And they really leveraged it to, to make a lot of money for themselves, you know? Yeah. I and never I, saw and them. I, and I think someone told me now that they're a Vegas cover band. Okay. Like they all moved to Vegas and they had all these great opportunities. And I know Danny's watching, uh, you know, Amish out was, you see them in Vegas. Um, I never actually saw them at it, but I, I saw them advertise all the time. So I knew about them. Right. You know, they were in the, the local music paper, which we uh, used to be the Bible for me every week. The Aquarian. The Aquarian. Yeah. Um, 
and then turned to EC Rocker, and then it went back to Aquarian. Yeah. Um, that was our stepping out came on the scene. Stepping out, but the Aquarian was where I would look for gigs or look for players every yeah. week in the classified a musicians section. classified section. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually probably got some work from that, or or found people from that. But like with um, any of those bands, Nerds, Amish Outlaws, um, Overboard, they were the first guys doing like the yacht rock thing, you know, with they all dressed up like, you know, they had the, the captain's hats and the, and all the white gear. They all looked like they were on like a, a cruise ship, you know? Right. For a while there, Steve Tarkanish had um, a bunch of bands that were all themed bands like that, you know? Yeah, like, and I remember him trying one called Jocks. J-O-X, and it was all, like, buff dudes. <laughs> I remember him trying that. I'm like, really? Come on. Yeah, I, I it's... just saw – I never saw the band, but I saw the ads for it. Like, yeah, but for a while there, he had a bunch of them. Like, there was, like, yeah. every – he was trying to put together these, like, um, theme bands, you know? And, and I think for, you know, a couple of years, he had pretty good success with it. And then other ones, of course, took off, you know, more than others did, like – nerds amish outlaws you know but there's still some big bands out there like benjamins have been around for a long time you know they're still out playing yeah yeah i see them they have changed personnel many times yeah i don't think there's many bands out there with the same people in it you know yeah and that was the one cool thing that they said at the end when they had like a bunch of testimonials on that that rush uh, thing that i saw and yeah. they had some really good insightful like commentary on like billy corgan had a lot of good things to say and that, you know, it was just all different people. Like, uh, again, Taylor Hawkins was in that too. He was talking, but they were all talking about how if you watch almost every behind the music, it ends with all the band guys on their own tour buses. They don't talk to each other. They're not friends. They only, the only little bit of Oasis piece of Oasis that they have left of what their former, you know, glory was, was when they get on stage together and they actually play and they make the magic happen. And then as soon as the last notes played, they all go their separate ways again. They don't talk. Right. Whereas he said it was interesting to see how Rush, right to the end, were like brothers, you know? They were still all friends. They still traveled together. They all enjoyed each other's company and did well, things, you know? Neil t took his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, he did. But but they said but he would still, you know, they would still pal around, eat together, and it wasn't like an adversarial relationship in any way, you know? It was Everything was always split equally three ways regardless of who did what, you know? Right. And they all shared in the success that way. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So – so moving on with the MTV, then, th then it went to TRL, which was the countdown thing too. But then it was Carson Daly. They had the live audience. It was really appealing to that that the teenager. Well, that was the whole TRL, right? Total Request Live. Total Request Live came after the dial MTV thing. Yes, um, and it was essentially the same concept, but but uh, you know a live live broadcast with Carson Daly and, and the, the live show, and that was the age when like Britney Spears came around and. That was also the second wave of VJs. Right. That was all the new VJs like Carson Daly, Duff. Um, I downtown the, Julie Brown. Yeah, Downtown Julie Brown, right. Yeah, and then, and then they started having shows, programs. Beavis and Butthead was one. Right, um, yeah. And, and that's uh, when it started to branch out. Yeah, and, and then they started with the Jersey Shore thing later. But during that time, one of the programs they had was TV, uh, MTV Unplugged, which really – made yeah. was a huge influence on the music industry at that time um it just changed the dynamic of the way people were approaching music and doing live stuff and they had a, a lot ton of iconic artists on um, unplugged uh, and then all of a sudden like everybody wanted to do an unplugged that was like the thing to do yep. for a couple of years that was 
that was a huge part of MTV having its its imprint on the music industry and really really dictating what was going on in the music. Well, and they industry. had the corner on the, you know the corner on the market too, you know, with all that stuff too. They were the only game in town doing that. Right. Well, they weren't at that point. Then it was VH1. No, but I mean, with the unplugged, they were the first to do the unplugged. And then the whole mass exodus of unplugged acts that followed that were all, you know, on MTV. And then they slowly, you know, filtered off onto these other channels, like you said, VH1 or whatnot. But right. So. And and then onward, you know, yeah, uh, programs became more of the focus and then then they weren't playing videos at all. So. And that's what people were like, you know, MTV. Why even call it MTV anymore? Right. Um, um, I don't think that's true, Danny. Danny thinks that the the MTV Unplugged thing originated from Bon Jovi playing Dead or Alive at the VMAs in 1987, was it? Or eight? He thinks it's seven. Um, I mean, I, that was certainly a game changer a little bit, but I don't know if that really influenced unplugged but danny's a big bon jovi fan so he thinks bon jovi affected everything (laughs) (laughs) hey listen they were a a, a force to be reckoned with too they had definitely had influence on on music and the music scene no doubt you know they were they were definitely one of the top yeah drawing acts you know and still to this day one of the biggest bands yeah one of mtv's darlings in the 80s for sure um and it was all about how you looked, you know, Bon Jovi, good looking guys, John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora, and making great music and making fun videos. That video, right. the, Living on a Prayer and uh, You Give Love a Bad Name. I think You Give Love a Bad Name came out first, if I'm not mistaken, as a video. Mm-hmm. But it was the live, that huge stage with the lights and everything. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and that video was just so well done and uh, really propelled that song into like megastar status that's when bon jovi was like all right we're megastars check yeah. us out they dictated it you know they weren't even playing to audience because they were still an opening band they opened for like i think i saw them open for rat um <laughs> right yeah you know rat was huge when when out of the cellar came out they were they were everywhere well, the next album the second album i mean out of the cellar is one that made rat but then the next album which was uh i don't remember the name of the album but it's one you're, you're in love was on that. Um, yeah, yeah. And lay it down. Uh, big videos on uh, MTV. So Rat was a headliner, and Bon Jovi was opening. But they they went out and they made you give love a bad name with a video like as if no, we're the we're the headliners, right? Correct. And on they, the big stage, stadiums full of people. Yeah, yeah. Very law of attractiony. You know, they just they went out and said this is what we are and then the universe followed said oh okay you're you're right it's what you are yeah and then they became huge yeah. they were out opening for 38 special when slippery one went went huge yes that's yep. what danny said opening for 38 special can, can you imagine um so i get a lot of ideas for stuff i want to do with cover band central and i've done a lot of them and some of them i haven't done yet and one idea that I've had, and we probably talked about it on the Wisdom Hour, probably not for a long time, but was have a, a competition show um, with cover bands. And it's been tried before. It was uh, on VH1, Cover Wars, I think it was called. 
Paul Schaefer was the host, kind of. And uh, well, you've already got the CBC cover band competition. But I mean, like a TV show where, where it's you know a thing. And the thing is, I live in Louisiana. I don't know the first thing about making a TV show. Um, but now there is a show coming on. It's, it's airing in August, in October. Um, called Scuba Steve's Cover Band War? N- no. It's called oh. Clash of the Cover Bands. And it was created by Jimmy Fallon from The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And it pisses me off. Because it's like... Jimmy Fallon, listen, I'm a fan of Jimmy Fallon, but listen, relax. Stop trying to do everything. You have you're the host of the Tonight Show. And he like comes you, up, he comes up with inventions and stuff. Like, I got great ideas, man. I'm gonna do this thing and I'm gonna patent it, and it's gonna be great. And, and and he does that on a show. But now you're stepping into my my whole world and taking it away from me. The clash of the cover bands TV show because he's freaking Jimmy Fallon. He's got a lot of money and connections. He can make the show. Jerry, so have our attorney contact Jimmy Fallon. Tell him to. I'm upset up, about right? it. Excuse Anybody knows that. Jimmy Fallon, tell him to call me. I want to be a part of this show. I built this world, or or at least put it together before you. Decided. He didn't even consult with you, or right? he didn't Nothing. even contact you to say like, "Hey, I, you know, what would be your what's the best way for me to approach this?" Nothing. You could tell him. You know, I want you, I want Jimmy Fallon's consult. phone number. Somebody get me Jimmy Fallon's phone number. I want to talk to him. I want him live on our show here. Yeah, let's go. I'll tell you what, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, you come talk to me. We'll have you on this cover band Central Wisdom Hour, and we will promote your show, your cover band TV show, if you just get in touch with me and let me be a part of it somehow. That's right. Stop interrupting me. Ah! I'm backing you. Say, yeah, that's right. Cover bands. Um. Yeah, because it was my idea first. But, you know, whatever. People get ideas. Quentin says what's up. Let's see how the show does, Steve. And then That's we'll, right. I want to see the way the it's steps, okay, I mate? See the way it's set up, the way it's Correct. they put it together and how well it does. But, like I said, I'm a fan of Jimmy Fallon, and I think he's probably put together a good show. Probably better than the last VH1 effort. Probably. And the technology in 20 years has gotten a lot better, so... Right. So anyway, it just goes to show you, you, if you get an idea, you got to move on it. You can't. You also have to have the resources to move on it too. It's a lot easier for some people than others. You know, I can remember, remember that show cheers. So there's one episode where Ted dance is talking to the rich guy, I forget his name, but it's like the bar tender's girlfriend, a boyfriend. I don't know if it's Kirstie Alley's boyfriend or, the other girl, but anyway, they're talking and he's like, you know, he's like, wouldn't it be great if like you could, you know, there's a bunch of vacant buildings that like are next to the cheers bar. He's talking with the guy inside and he's saying, you know, if, the, if somehow, you know, we, that could, you know, my dream would be to turn that into a restaurant and then put like, you know, retail, you know, on, uh, uh, above it and then have a little streetscape down the side there. And the guy's like, oh, it's very interesting. Blah, blah, blah. And then like two weeks later, he sees it in, you know, in the paper that this guy is going to do that. He's developing the block. He's going to knock the building down, build a restaurant, put the retail in. And he comes in and he's like, dude, that's my idea. He's like, you stole my idea. You know, I just, we just told him the other day. He's like, I told you my idea and you went out and did it. And he's like, yes, because I'm rich and I have money and I have the means to do it. You're just talking about a dream you have. I can actually went out the next day and made it happen. And he's like, so bummed out because he's like, it's my idea, man. Like, you know, he was, he was going to figure out a way to do it, and it was and it was 
it was done already. You know, like, right. like you, you got to move fast on it. You got to move fast. So the lesson here is keep your ideas close to your chest. And when you have them, move fast on them. And if you don't have the resources, find the resources. Yeah. And discuss it with someone that you trust. that's not going to go and do it without you. It's like that, uh, the Bitcoin commercial or whatever. Have you seen those? No. Um, they're like, uh, like they show these two guys kind of at a party hanging out. And a girl looks over at, from across the room, looks over at this guy and the guy, and they both think like she might be interested. And the friend is like, go say hi to her. And he's like, yeah, maybe in a little bit. And then somebody else zoops in uh, and says, hi, how you doing? And they, they, they fast forward the, their entire life there in 30 seconds. Like, <laughs> like you want to get married? Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, it's a boy. And the, 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 the uh, message there they're saying is, you got to move. You got to move on stuff. You can't wait. Right. Which is a very, very clever marketing campaign for, for a Bitcoin type of thing. Cause most people are like, I don't know what Bitcoin is. I don't know what all this cryptocurrency stuff is. Right. And I, I have no into idea. It. And their commercial is saying, well, you better figure it out now because other people are figuring it out way ahead of you. Yeah. And they're going to, and they're going to be rich and you're going to be sitting there like, what? Uh, so maybe I should look into that too. But <laughs> no. Johnny, make a note, Bitcoin, do some investigating on that. Um, and there was, so there was another one too, that I discovered this, this app and I don't remember the name. I'll, I'll tell you the name because I, I will promote them. Um, my set is the name of the app. And I had this idea years ago and I did start to move on it, but I didn't finish it. And it was an idea to tip bands via your phone make a request on your phone in fact we probably talked about it too yeah you're at the show make a request via your phone and then you can tip the band on an app and i thought it was a great idea and, and someone somebody, came up with it. somebody else thought it was a great idea too and they made one they made an app exactly the idea i had and it's called mindset and it's it's really well made it's like oh okay so if you think you're getting an original idea, you're not. Somebody else is thinking of the same thing. Right, but who gets it to the touchdown, to the finish line first, right? You got to get it to the goal line and get it in. Get it in the end zone. Right. So, lesson right there. That's wisdom. Move move on it. Wisdom, move on it and run your own race, right? I mean, look over your shoulder, see who's around you and how close they are to you. But there could be 100 people running down the field that you don't even know about with the same idea. Right. You know, And you stop to get a drink. And rest for a minute. That guy's powering on, man. He's got a portable little camelback, and he's drinking it as he's running. And he's throwing you the fingers. He runs by, and he's stealing your idea, and you're done. That's it. You're done. So, but uh, but damn that Jimmy Fallon. I want to talk to him, and uh, got to get in touch with him, Steve. We got to get him on the show. I, that's what I'm saying. Anybody knows Jimmy Fallon out there, or how I can get get him on the him. show. Let's go. Let's get him on the show. I'll promote his show, or as long as he gets me. Involved with his show. <laughs> you can come on my show as long as you include me in your, your cover band show. Yeah, that's a, that's fair. That's a trade-off. Right? Like, I'll get right back to you. I think that's fair. I have an, a huge audience. Uh, you do, Jimmy Fallon. We got 61 million people reach. What do you have? That's right. That's right. Probably way better than him. As far as reach is concerned. I bet that's you. Right. Well, I don't know. He's got... Probably, I don't know how long his arms are, but we probably reach him. I don't know. But uh, yeah. 
And I want to then I want to be on the Tonight Show, on the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show, promoting my book, and promoting Cover Band Central, and then and playing a little game, music game too. That's part what of is, the deal. What is your book? Um, I haven't written it yet, but I'll have it done by then. Forthcoming. Yeah, I have the outline for it. Okay. So, and I kind of started writing. So once that's written. Once it's published, I want to be on the Tonight Show, and that's we'll, right. You know, we'll have a, a long, long relationship. And then you can be like episode one forty nine on the Wisdom Hour. We were calling you out on your stealing our idea. That's right. I should Alan. be a judge. I should be a judge on the show. See, Jennifer yeah. is thinking, thinking outside. Who better the box. to have to judge cover bands than Mister Cover Band Central himself? That's right. That is right, Jennifer. I want to be a judge on the Jimmy Fallon thing. And, but so they, that's they your have... leverage, Steve. Instead, say I won't sue you for stealing my idea if you let me be a judge. <laughs> and you pay me a lot of money. Pay me, you know, a good reasonable salary. Pay me a good salary. And I'll come be a judge. I, who's a better judge than me? I'm cover Ben Central guy. Wouldn't make that happen. They probably only have celebrity judges. I don't know who the judges are on the show. So I only know it's. Jimmy Fallon produced. Then it's not really grassroots, man, right? You're not having cover band people judging cover bands. You can't have some celebrities doing it. Come on. Yeah. Get you know? the guy, get the cover band central guy. I'm telling you, people, well, maybe I'll start a petition. I'll start a petition. Yes. I'll get cover band central members to sign it and we'll send it to Jimmy Fallon at, Here's at Rockefeller Center, The Tonight Show. 61 million signatures on this petition. <laughs> We want Steve Witchell to be a judge. A judge on yours. Or, your co- or they're not watching you anymore. Your cover band competition program. Or we're not watching that and we're not watching the Tonight Show. How about that? Huh? Huh? Mm-hmm. I like that. I got a, I got some power. 61 I got some million, influence in this 61 audience. million viewers you're gonna about to lose. I got some influence. Better wake up. That's right. Right, I'm a celebrity. See, I, I see Jennifer says I'm a celebrity. I celebrity, am a celebrity. Shay. I am a celebrity. I might need to shave. I know. What do you think? Mm, I think you should. I told you what you should do. You just don't want to listen to me. What did you say? What was? What was it? I said just keep shaving it all off and leave the unicorn like. Uh, oh right, right. You know, system of a down style. So no, no mustache. Just, just this. Yeah, I forget if they have mustaches or not. You just need the long unicorn cone beard. That's like King Tut. Everything else you can shave. Yeah. (laughs) Born in Arizona. Moved to Barcelona. Babylonia. (laughs) I got a funny story about that song, which we we have enough time for. I had that record. King Tut song. King Tut, dude. I got Who's the artist? Who's the artist that that, that wrote King Tut? Martin. The comedian Steve Martin. I know. Yeah. There was a song called King Tut. I got yes. a great story about this song. I used to have 45s. That's how I listened to music when I was a kid. I had 45 records and I had uh, the radio, you know, just my AM radio, mm-hmm. little transistor thing. And I was in sixth grade. We were talking about this before with the dance thing. I was in sixth grade and we had uh, like a, a dance for the, and it was the first time. You know, any of us were in that situation where, you know, we were we were supposed to like dance with with opposite sex or whatever. Uh-huh. Those kids, and 
uh, we're playing music and I was telling people for some reason that I have the record of that's of the song King Tut and because everybody knew it, I guess at the time it was a, a hit. And I went, I left, they were all excited about it. And so and we, all we had was a record player to play music, like a little cheesy record player. Yeah, like a suitcase one. So I went, so everybody was like, yeah, wow, that's great. We want to hear it. So I left this this dance thing and I went home. I rode my bike home from school to get the, the 45. And then I went and I wrote it back and we played it there and everybody loved it. And they're like, and we just kept playing it over and over again. King Tut. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say you're on your way back to the dance and you crashed your bike and broke the record. Right. And oh, then no, you got back been... and you were like, dude, I'm sorry. I don't have the record. No, because then like, I would have been. Then, then I would have said this is a tragic story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, rather, rather than a great story. They were like your King Dud. King Tut. Born in Arizona, <laughs> moved to Babylonia, King Tut. Yeah, Steve Martin had a he had a whole album full of stuff like that. Yeah, well, that was on his. He had a, a I think it was called Wild and Crazy Guy album. Yeah, and yeah. I think it was on that. And I used to have that full record too, and I would listen to that all the time. That was one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> he he was really really super funny. We lost <laughs> Norm Donald today, by the way. Speaking of comedians, Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald died uh, today. Really. That's, 61 years old. Wow. Uh, succumbed to cancer. He was hilarious. Norm, I loved him. He's on SNL and uh, other things. Um, it's weird how like celebrities die kind of like one, only one major one a day. Like you never get two major celebrities in one day that die. Yeah, Why not usually. I'm sure that in the past there has been, but. I, I don't think so. You know. I don't think that's allowed. I think only one one major celebrity per day. And whoever allowed. dies first on that day gets the day. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. That's it. Then somebody's got to wait till the next yeah, day. They wait till the next day before they announce the second one. Right. Or before you die. They're up <laughs> at the gate. Before you like, die. Hey, I'm going to probably be dead tomorrow. So I'm just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. But if a major celebrity that'll... dies today. Yes. Yeah. They're up at the gate. St. Peter's like, wait. Hold up. Yeah. Okay, come on. Come yeah. on. Okay. Oh, you're good. you're good. All right. So, anyway, what an exciting week and what an exciting episode this has been. Are you playing? Did you play? Are you playing? Yeah, What's I've been playing. On? I played um, several gigs since we last spoke. I, I, matter of fact, we played Labor Day weekend outside. I don't think we had a, an episode since then. So that would be the, the, the latest gig that I, I had. Yeah, I guess we didn't. Uh, outdoor, again, dude, great a great gig with this band. It was like, you know, maybe there was like five people there at three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, it's Labor Day. We, you know, it's going to be people down the beach. The weather was kind of crappy. It was starting to rain a little bit. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, an hour into the gig, there's 100 people there. Nice. You know, and they're all into it. It was like captive audience again. Seems like these places we play, there, there's a captive audience where they're not just, you know, they're paying strict attention and they're interacting. Right. Like I've never had so much interaction with the band where like after a song, people are coming up and talking to you and people are yelling stuff out. And, you know, we did. It was great. <laughs> he would love this. So Jimmy, he's always wanted to do this. So we're doing, um, real quick, we're doing Steve Miller Band. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing um, 
Swingtown. So it starts off, you know, phase, yeah, swing town. So it's phasing with the drums, you know. So all those guys went around the corner of the venue because it was outside and like hit around the corner. And then I played that groove and had some banter with the crowd for like a good two minutes. And then I went, I started playing that groove. Then the bass player walked out from behind the back and started playing the bass part with me for like 16 bars. Then the nice. guitar player, then the guitar player walked out, put his guitar on, started playing the thing. Rhythm guitar guy came out, started doing his thing. Then Jimmy came out, started doing his thing. And then the whole band was out there. That's and then cool. We, we went to the course. Yeah. It was like a show, you know, and it was great because people at, at first didn't know what we were doing. So as each guy then came out, they were applauding. And by the time Jimmy came out, there was like standing ovation, you know, we right, weren't even announcing great. the names or nothing. It was just like silence. We were just jamming and they were just coming out one at a time, putting their right. equipment on and jamming. That's, That's a great cool. song to do that too. And yeah, people are digging live music again because everybody's cooped up for a year. Oh yeah, so, no uh, doubt. Uh, and hopefully I'll be back out soon. Uh, but that's all we have time for this week. Thank you guys for watching uh, the Cover Band Center Wisdom Hour. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. The link is in the description. Subscribe. That's where all the old videos are. And that's where the daily videos are that I do that I haven't been doing this week, but I'll get back to it soon. I just got back home. I've been through a lot for the last month and a half. Had a whirlwind um, event, Steve. You yes, to, you know, get COVID right in the hospital, hurricanes, uh, craziness, beards growing like out of control. Yeah, um, but anyway, also coverbandcentral.com. You can sign up for a profile for you, your band, or both. It is free. It'll always be there, there, and it'll always be free. And uh, I'm working on that now too. And there's that URL, just in case you didn't understand what I said. You can contact me at coverbandcentral.com. I am Steve. If you have any questions, complaints, or concerns scuba steve or invitations to be a judge yes and if you get in touch with jimmy fallon or you know how i can get in touch with jimmy fallon send a message to steve at covervancentral.com so i can be a part of his uh cover band show that's coming up all right we'll see you next week thank you for watching It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.